Night racing is back at Richmond Raceway. This spring, top NASCAR drivers like Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott, Bubba Wallace, Ross Chastain, and Virginia's own Denny Hamlin will battle under the bright lights. And this historic track also offers a rocking infield experience with unparalleled access to your favorite drivers and one of the best tailgate scenes around. For a weekend of friends, family, and amazing short track action, head to Richmond Raceway, March 29th through 31st. Get tickets now at richmondraceway.com. I mean, I certainly am finding this, that I can't do Zoom calls all day long, every day. It's making us all crazy. And the kids that I'm talking to um, are like, I can't do this all day. I don't want to do this all day. Hey, thanks for listening to We're Momming Today. If you're listening on a smart speaker or website, make sure to find me, Lauren Simonetti, on your favorite podcast platform like Apple Podcasts, Google, TuneIn, and Stitcher. And don't forget to leave me a review. We're momming today with Rosalind Wiseman, a parenting educator, co-founder of Cultures of Dignity, and a prolific author about anxious parenting. Uh, very anxious right now as we're dealing with the pandemic. Rosalind, thanks for joining us. Oh my gosh, of course. Happy to be here. And we actually had a funny little, you know, we were supposed to record this podcast about an hour ago, but we're on different time zones. And I always send emails with like ET, Eastern time zone, but I'm such a mess right now because I'm dealing with a million things. I didn't do that. And well, you're in Colorado, I'm in New York and well, we figured it out in the end, but I'm anxious right now and I'm I'm messing up right and left. Well, but I think that's a really good, that's a really good example right now of, of, and we should, maybe this could be a lesson that we, we take with us after the pandemic ends, which is we're all doing the best we can. And, you know, like I was taking a walk and then thought, oh my gosh, you know, I, I think maybe there's a time zone issue, but we figured it out and here we are. So, I mean, really like this is a great example of how we're getting through. So a lot of parents, myself included, um, are taking out our anxiety, frustration, feeling of being cooped in out on our children. In, I mean, my temper has been really short, really short lately. Um, yelling more than I want to, smaller things are bothering me. What advice would you give to parents to, to rein that in a little bit? And then how does that affect kids? Yeah, well, you know, it's a, it's a delicate combination because we are under difficult circumstances and we are human beings and we are it's it's under the best of circumstances best of you know the most well-rounded most calm person is going to be challenged in these times and um and before this many of us were really challenged to we had this idea in our head that we had to be the perfect parent which of course is not possible anyway and i don't even know what that means it's just the only thing i know about trying to be a perfect parent is as a recipe for making yourself crazy and so we had that before, and then we're in a really difficult situation that's difficult for anybody, and then we're anxious or we're nervous. And, um, and at the same time, all of those things are true. And at the same time, it really is important to be able to manage ourselves and regulate ourselves as best as we can with our, young, with our kids, because the more we can do that, then the more um, our children feel that life is certain, even in uncertain times. 
So we know from the research, like we, it's also common sense, but we know from the research that um, in like, even in times of war, in times of like, as, as long as people are doing this research, that adults who can manage their anxiety better, um, that is really helpful to their children's mental health. At the same time, I don't want us to beat ourselves up even more because like, oh, I'm not handling this perfectly, right? So it's a cycle that we've got to stop so we can take care of ourselves. And I just also would just say that our kids, if when we talk to them and we say like, I've had a really hard day or I am really sorry I snapped at you, um, when they see that we're doing our best to manage ourselves, they give us a lot of leeway. So that was my other question. How should you apologize or atone for an outburst or unbecoming behavior from a frustrated parent? <laughs> I love unbecoming behavior. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, th- I've thrown things. I've, um, well, this goes on. And, you know, it's interesting because yeah. my husband, who is the polar opposite of me, he's been having some temper tantrums, if you will. And when we see that, we're like, whoa, daddy's yeah. mad. You know, <laughs> something yeah. must be wrong here. Yeah, daddy's there. And mommy and daddy have to do a timeout. We get time, time for a timeout. Like right now, I have to do a timeout. Um, which actually, I think is totally fair. And I, I also think in answer to your question, it depends on how old your children are. Because for those of you, like you all who are listening to this, who have children that are like 10 and younger, because um, my children are, you know, older teenagers. For people, when I think about what my two boys would have been like at five, if I was doing this at five and seven, six and eight, whatever it was, I I really, my amount of sympathy for you all is just so high, so high, so, so high. (laughs) So, um, so, um, mm, mm, yeah, anyway, so I, I do, I do think that, um, it's different as far as like our patience goes, or it's different, um, kinds of things that were dynamics that we're dealing with based on our children's age. Um, and like our teenage children don't want to be around us as much as young children do. Um, right. So you don't get, you get a lot of space when you're the parent of a teenager, your concerns are like, why aren't they coming out of their room? Like all day, or when are they getting up? It's one o'clock in the afternoon. Are they doing their schoolwork? Does school exist? Like what happened with that? And then, you know, for, um, younger kids, they're around you a lot. Although teenagers will interrupt you when you're on a work call. That is a work zoom call. Teenagers are remarkably good. (laughs) knowing when to interrupt you with like mom, 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 mom. So, so all to say that when we're dealing with this conduct unbecoming and how do you apologize for you, you know, it's very powerful actually for an adult and this position of authority and a parent should be in a position of authority um, to apologize and to apologize genuinely. Sometimes people get messed up or confused about like, if I'm in a position of authority, I can't apologize because if I do, I lose authority. There's actually no better way to lose authority with a young person as a parent or as a teacher is to lose your temper or abuse power in some way and refuse to um, hold yourself accountable for it. And it also is terrible role modeling, by the way, but like they won't take you, they, it, it really breeds a tremendous, it can breed a lot of resentment. And so being able to say to your child, like, wow, I really lost it. I'm really sorry. And I can't guarantee that it's not going to happen again because like I'm but I'm really trying hard to get a handle on it. And um, and I might need to take a time out and, you know, for younger kids or I need I need to take a step back. Like if what you know, as a teen, if you're with a teenager, like if we're really getting into it. I really do need to step away until I can get myself under control. 
Um, and I, you know, I'm asking you to respect that. So it's, um, it's, but it's really acknowledging where you are and being able to say, I'm really sorry. So it's a genuine tone of voice and it's not making an excuse about why, you know, like why only I'm apologizing because you did this to me first. That doesn't work. Um, and you really have to say like, I'm really going to try my best not to do it again. This is a hard situation, but I'm really going to try my best. And when you do that, and I know this as a teacher and as a parent, um, that actually makes a relationship much, much stronger um, than just sort of, you know, pretending or not doing it. And then the last thing I would say, too, especially if you've got teenagers, especially if you have teenage boys, is that if you do apologize, it's going to be normal um, for your, te- for your, your, excuse me, your teenager to say, well, okay, you said, you know, you apologize. So now can I get X, you know, can I get more time on screens or can I get whatever? And you're like, no, you don't good try, but no, I, just because I apologize doesn't mean you get more things. And then the second thing is, um, is that your child might, you know, try and manipulate the situation. And that's a situation of just don't take it personally. Just be like, you know, I'm really sorry. And then we're going to move on from that. So it's, um, it, but it really is a powerful moment. It's a powerful moment to strengthen and it's also a, of the relationship, but it's a powerful moment to laugh when your kids try and get over on you even after that. <laughs> what, um, how, how are kids acting out? I mean, for me, I see temper tantrums, but what are other ways children are acting out right now because their life has been turned upside down? And then how do we deal with that? Yeah. Well, I think you know, the different there, you'll, you'll see different kinds of acting out. Um, but I, so this is one of the most, this is so important to the question you just asked. So the ability to, the ability to regulate yourself when you are upset. So for those of you who have like little, little kids or, and you know, ones who have old kids, like I do, um, you know, remember when kids had temper tantrums and you would like put them, you'd put them in their room and you'd let them calm themselves down. They have to learn, or when they're crying, when they're babies and they have to learn to soothe themselves, they have to have a, you know, ideally we have a, a stable home and your a kid's going to get upset and they have to learn how to soothe themselves. And one of the most important things about that is having a parent that is calm. And when you have a parent that's calm, who can say like, I see, you know, you're upset, you know, I get it, you're upset. Um, But I have the confidence, confidence in you that you can do this, you can manage yourself. That gives the child actually your confidence in them gives themselves the confidence that they can manage themselves. If you rush in every single time to try and solve the problem on anything with parenting, then your child actually doesn't learn to manage things on their own. And then they, you know, you know, it's, it's one of the recipes of becoming incompetent when you get older. Okay. Hold that thought, Rosalind, because I am going to challenge you with this story when momming returns. Sergeant and Mr. Smith, you're going to love this house. Bunk beds in a closet. There's no field manual for finding the right home, but when you do USAA homeowners insurance can help protect it the right way. Restrictions apply. Okay, we're back with We're Momming Today and Rosalind Wiseman. And here's my story. So I have a four and a half year old. She's very strong willed. And when she gets upset, the tantrums just escalate and escalate and escalate. And I've been, I'm very good at staying calm, almost to a point where she gets mad at me for not reacting. Mm-hmm. And I, I've gone through a bunch of tricks like let's take deep breaths, different ways that I can calm her down, and nothing has worked. Mm-hmm. I've asked her nice, just go to your room until you calm down. If you calm down, you can get a lollipop or what it's, it's always different. I have tried every trick in the book. I can't calm her down. 
Well, first of all, awesome for her that she's so strong willed. <laughs> I mean, well, honestly, like, I mean, you know, I mean, I laugh a lot in my work with my parenting. I don't know how else to deal sometimes with, with difficult situations, right? And the situations are serious. And I'm not, you know, it's like you, you have to laugh. And, you know, when my, I had a child who had significant temper tantrums and he would get angry at me when I was really, really common. Sometimes the reason why that is, and they have a hard time um, explaining why, and uh, is because they don't feel like you're taking them seriously. So what I, if depending on the situation, there's a couple things, there's two things I would suggest you do. You might've already done them. One is um, there's a lot of success with that age range of um, being able to do some kind of meditation for them. Uh, the easiest one is the one where they um, hold a bubble in their mouth and see if they can do it for five seconds. They can now, of course they're breathing right through their nose, but um, they try and hold a bubble in their, in their mouth for five seconds to see how long you can do it. And that means that they're breathing at the same time and breathing tends to calm you down. Um, and if you can, actually, I would show, and five-year-old, four and a half, five-year-olds um, can do this, where they're sitting crisscross applesauce, and they mm -hmm. can, um, and they can do a breathing, like, in, where they put their arms, you know, above their heads, like a ballerina, and then, like, down. I'm doing this in a podcast. I'm actually doing this in real life, <laughs> as I'm doing this. But they put their hands up, and then they put their hands down to their breath. Um, those, for five-year-olds, those do tend to work, and or... Um, the thing that I think can be really helpful is to have her draw her feelings. So because, because, and I really resonated and related when you said the thing about like, I've tried to be really, really calm, um, is that I have found over and over again, that saying to a child that age, tell me what it feels like in your stomach right now. Cause they're able to say things like it feels like balloons popping, or it feels like glass or something like that. Um, so you want actually for them to be transferring their feeling of upsetness to being able to take the feeling that they've got and put words to it, but it, and they're four and a half, five years old, that can be really hard. So if they can't do that, I would have them draw it and she could take a piece of paper and take a crayon and just, you know, just go, go for it and get it out. But it even, even that is getting out some of the energy that she's feeling and you're showing her that you're taking her feelings seriously. This is good. I'm taking notes. Okay. When you said, wait, back to when you said hold a bubble in your mouth, like mm -hmm. a saliva bubble or like bubbles that you picture a bubble, uh, you picture, um, this is what very, this is what good kindergartners this is a trick that good kindergartner teachers do. A lot of them do is that they will tell their kindergarten or their students, um, like when they're, it's really adorable when you see it, it's so adorable. You see them like, like in a, their little circles in the classroom and they're sitting uh -huh. with applesauce and what they're saying is imagine a bubble in your mouth and you're holding the bubble in your mouth and then because oh. that, the child's got her the child's got her mouth blown up right her mouth right and that yep. means that she's breathing through her nose and that means that they're breathing and they're breathing slowly and it's very hard to have a temper tantrum and breathe slowly at the same time Got it. Okay. Okay. Let's move on. Okay. Let's, let's tackle this whole family is together 24 seven, whatever age the kids they're trying to either play or homeschool. Uh, parents are trying to work. Everybody starts to fight because it's like six plus weeks now of quarantine or whatever you're calling it. What do we do? Who knows how many weeks? <laughs> I don't know. 12, 14 weeks. No, I, don't know. <laughs> I know. 
I know the day that we all started. So I think my family's on six weeks. Well, okay. Got it. So what do you do when the family's been together and they start to fight? Yeah. How do you, what are some tips on managing just everybody being together all the time? And even if you're pretty successful at it, mm-hmm. I'm sure there have been little, you know, um, arguments and uncomfortable moments and everyone's just kind of bursting at the seams. Yeah, sure. So, you know, when I'll talk, I'll talk a little bit about what happened in my family, which is that, um, when we first started, things were a little rough, a little rough around the edges and we were having a lot of bumps along the roads. And, um, and we really, we, we had not, we, it was hard. It was, it was, it was really hard. And, um, so one of the things that we do um, in the family is that if we're really frustrated and angry at each other, I've done a thing where actually um, my actually my older child admitted that he now does this like with his girlfriend, which is like I was I couldn't believe he'd actually like listened to me about this and then like good job else, right. But um, I really so I have these two boys; they're two years apart. They're close, but they, of course, will fight and get into unbelievable arguments with each other. And often, I find my own children highly irritating. I mean, I really do. They're terrible roommates. They're terrible roommates under the best of circumstances, and <laughs> um, and they're terrible roommates. They're better now, but like we've, it's been rough. It's been really rough. And so, um, and believe me, my husband and I are very focused on like, you have to unload the dishwasher, you have to clean up, you're a member of this family as a community, you have responsibilities, we're totally focused on that. And they're still bad roommates. So when we have gotten into that situation, one of the things that's really important, of course, is that you and your partner, if you're living, you have a partner that you are on, you know, everybody knows what I'm going to say, that you're on the same page about this. And um, so you have to have a conversation first with your partner. You can't just say, this is where I think people get hung up a little bit, is that they think, they say to each other, we're on the same page. And they're like, okay, we're on the same page, but you don't actually say what that really means. And so before you go into a conversation with your children, when you're really frustrated, you have to, if, if you have a partner who's cooperating with you about this, then you can't make assumptions about what that same page is. You have to sit down and say, and this is not a huge, long conversation. This is like 10 minutes of what do we mean by the same page? We're frustrated at each other. What are the three things that we want if we're going to talk to our kids about this? What are the three things that we're actually choosing to talk to them about? And are we in agreement about that? Um, And then because they will, they'll know as soon as you have a conversation, they'll know if they see that there's a discrepancy between the two of you. So you have to make the agreement before you go in. Once you make the agreement, then you are sitting down with your family and you're saying something like, look, we're in a really difficult spot here. Like we are, and we're, we get annoyed at each other no matter what anyway. Um, and we're, you know, it's understandable that we would get really annoyed with each other right now. So this is where, this is what I do. We say, I say what the three things are. I, I pretty much always limit it to three. Um, I don't, I think it's really unhelpful for a parent to say like, here's the 25 things that I think are really difficult, you know, that are a problem. I want you to choose three because I know that young people stop listening. Um, they really, they shut down and they stop listening after a couple of things that you're talking to them about. So you really need to choose what your battles are here. Um, so you say your three things and then everybody goes around who's in the family and they have one minute, one minute. Um, there's a timer, one minute to talk about how, what they're feeling about the three things that you just said. Um, and then the next person goes and nobody can interrupt anybody when that one minute thing is going on. 
And it's not like this, you know, kumbaya thing. It's not like everybody's listening to each other with that kind of weird tone of voice that people can't stand. It's not like a business meeting. It's like everybody, everybody, people and families love to interrupt each other. So we have to have a like no interrupting, like none. So everybody gets their piece. One minute, one minute, one minute. Then you can ask clarifying questions, which cannot be sarcastic and nasty in tone. And you have to, and he's like, I, okay, I need to understand this better. And then at the end of it, you're like, what did everybody hear? What, what can we, what is the one thing we can agree on from this meeting? And you're probably going to have some backsliding. Of course you are, because that's the way it goes, but it's the process. And this is what I know from working teenagers. It's the process that you are doing that really builds credibility for young people about like, oh. My parents know how to handle things like competently, and that's important. Love it. Um, do you think a lot of parents are letting bad behaviors slide right now, either because they don't have the bandwidth to deal with it, or maybe they feel bad for their kids because their lives have been so disrupted? I'll just admit, I'm I'm doing that completely. <laughs> I am doing that. <laughs> I start, well, it's actually funny. We started the, the first few weeks, we were very militant. We're like, you know, you do this wrong and then that's the punishment. It was very clear and it was not working. Mm -hmm. So then we switched to, you know what, let's just show compassion. Mm -hmm. I, it's working a little bit better, but mm -hmm. is it even advisable to constantly let bad behavior slide? Well, I think it depends. I'd on imagine no. bad behavior, right? <laughs> I mean, like, so here, I, here's how I would distinguish bad behavior. Bad behavior to me is not treating somebody with dignity, right? Like I run yes. an organization called Cultures of Dignity. So it's not going to be surprised that I'm saying like dignity is the most important thing to have in a home. It is. Some people. So like kids hitting parents, like me getting hit by my kids. That's bad oh, behavior. That is right. Of course. Um, and dignity means the essential worth of somebody. And regardless of how they're acting, dignity always holds, right? Like everybody must be treated with dignity. Um, and so that's the, the starting place. But this, the thing that I just want to like pick apart for parents is when we talk about bad behavior is like, for example, maybe it's about screen time, right? Like, okay, I'm letting mm -hmm. them be on the screens, you know, way more than I would have otherwise. Yeah, that's I a good one. Okay, so I would distinguish between three ways of thinking about screen time. One is your community, like three ways that people have screens and technology in their lives. One is that you are consuming technology, which is, for example, we're consuming um, the news right now, which sometimes can really, really stress us out and really make kids anxious and nervous. And so, for example, if you have young kids, I would be really monitoring and controlling of the amount of news that they are um, that they are have access to, like you, mm -hmm. like a parent having the news and all the scary stuff coming all the time, is really problematic for 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 young children especially. Um, and if it's teenagers, then they come to you with like, well, this is some something that's true. You don't know if it's true. Then it's an opportunity uh, to check your primary sources and to see, you know, science. What do, what do we know? Things are changing a lot. Um, but again, the more calm you are, the better your child's going to handle it. So it's so the first thing about screen time is con, is consuming it, or they could be on Instagram all day and just you know consuming stuff. That's not all great. That's not great. The other way of thinking about screen time is communication, right? Like them talking to your parents, your kids talking to their grandparents is really important right now. Um, them talking to their camp friends that is, live somewhere in another state really important right now. So that's something that should be um, valued. And then creation, right? Some kids are using technology and social media to create things. So there's, and that can be really great. 
as long as dignity is being upheld. So the way in which you think about screen time really needs to be separated into consuming it, connecting with it, or creating things with it. Um, and then mm-hmm. you go from there about how much screen time that you want to do. Um, and the other thing is, is that, I mean, I certainly am finding this, that I can't do Zoom calls all day long every day. Oh, God. I know. Crazy, right? It's making us all crazy. And the kids that I'm talking to um, are like, I can't do this all day. I don't want to do this all day. So you give yourselves breaks. And um, the other thing that I would say about this screen time stuff is that's hard. And this is tricky is that, you know, communicating with friends is important. Um, what I'm, the young people that I'm talking to in middle school and high school, that the, one of the major ways that they're talking to their, to, and socializing is through game consoles, through multiplayer games. And mm-hmm. that those can be really rough. I mean, those can be, it can be really great for them to maintain with their friendships, but there can be really not great stuff people are saying, like, you know, on those that they're listening to. So mm-hmm. then you would say, if you're going to go on those games and you hear stuff that is really scary to you or really a problem for you, or you think I think is going to be a problem, then we need to talk about some things that you can do so you can play the game moderate amount of time. Um, we'll come to a compromise about that. But more importantly is let's come up with some ways for you to have rules around and monitoring for yourself around the, the things that you're being um, that you're and the people that you're interacting with. We only have a few minutes left. Did you want to just add? I mean, I, I feel like my I have a huge list of <laughs> of all these pointers from you. Did you want to add something? Oh my gosh! Um, you know, I think overall with this is you've got to give yourselves and your kids a break. School. I mean, I'm talking to kids around the country who are saying that they are increasingly disengaged from school. Um, focus more on your family and having relationships than if they're going to be able to pass you know, their AP math exam next year, this really? year. Really? Yeah. Really? I mean, because yeah. I, I, uh, I feel so bad for, for, you know, kids who are supposed to take the SAT and didn't, or who are about to start an internship and that's been canceled and they're just missing out on moments in life. Well, I don't think missing the ACE, I have very strong feelings about standardized tests. I think it's an industry that is not helpful for education at all. Um, and I think it makes kids crazy. And I think that it's assessing kids in really bizarre, in really ways that are not fair. So I have very strong feelings about that. We'll do that podcast another time. time. You can call me back anytime. Just, just please. But I would just say, focus on your relationships and the mental and emotional health of your children over like them, them, you know, with, with some particular class they're taking. So what questions should we be asking them to actually, I mean, I I don't think someone who's 10 is going to say, mom, this is how I'm feeling. They're going to act out how they're feeling in maybe subtle ways. How do you, how do you ask the right questions to tap in? Um, You know, I would start by saying to your child in a quiet moment with, hopefully with maybe without siblings, depends on your family dynamic, without siblings around of, you know, this is, this has been hard for me, you know, and and I'm, we're, I'm managing. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm doing some deep breathing. I'm listening to some, some podcasts that, you know, help me and make me feel better. I wanted to check in with you about how you're feeling. Um, Do you want to draw it? Do you want to, um, is, you know, do you, is there a way that you want to talk to me about that? And you don't have to talk to me about it right now, but if you're feeling uncomfortable in your stomach, then you can tell me that you're, that you can tell me that. And then we're going to, we're going to be able, we're going to talk about that because that's really important that we go through this together. Um, and when you role model that, when you role model that kind of behavior, then your child's anxiety level goes down. 
Um, and so really, I mean, think if you want to think about it, like where I'm here, there's wonderful people around the country who are really providing resources for parents about this kind of thing, because we know, we know that the more that parents can feel that they're taking deep breaths and that they can show up for their kids as calm as possible, that their children are feeling like in this very uncertain world, that they have a certain that this adult in my life is making things more certain for me. And on uh, the other part is just to think it's not all on your shoulders as a parent, because the other mm-hmm. part is, is that if you have, and this is why grandparents and your aunts, your brothers and sisters, your, their aunts and uncles are so important is that them maintaining relationships with one other person, like the grandma, your sister, you know, your, your brother, it's the lifeline they need to make things feel like things are certain. Thank you so much, Rosalind Weissman, for We're Momming Today with us. Have a good day. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcast, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.